You are the foundation of your family. You are the firm footing they build their lives on. You carry a glorious burden and you never dream of laying it down. You carry it with joy and gratitude. You show up even when you don't feel like it. You lead, serve, love, and protect. You are a father. This is the Dad Work Podcast, where men are forged into elite husbands and fathers by learning what it takes to become harder to kill, easier to love, and equipped to lead. Get ready to start building the only legacy that truly matters, your family. Welcome to the Dad Work Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of Dad Work. I am joined today by Brian Pugh, who I actually had the privilege of hearing on Sunday give a guest sermon at my church. And I was like, dude, you're local. Uh, why don't we connect for a podcast? Because what he was dropping was straight fire. And I loved it. And I think this is going to be really useful to uh, you guys as dads because we talk about identity, shame, family leadership, and how to talk to your kids about sex. And this is uh, a very important topic that doesn't get enough uh, airtime, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, we need to be the leaders in this area of our kids' life. So Brian is a husband to Bonnie, dad to their six boys, and is the co-founder of the Union Movement. Brian and Bonnie started the Union Movement Ministry in 2018 with the focus to help people, churches, and Christian leaders find wholeness in the realms of sexuality, identity, and relationships. The heart of the Union is to provide transformative teaching and resources that give a biblical perspective and equips the body of Christ in its calling to be salt and light to the world they are engaged in. You can find them online on Instagram at The Union Movement or on the website, theunionmovement.com. They've also got The Union Podcast if you want to listen to their podcast. So as I mentioned, some of the things we talk about in this episode are our role as parents in helping build our children's identity, shame, and how to let go of the power it has over your life, affirming our sons and maintaining influence in their lives, instilling vision and purpose in our kids, family leadership and modeling what a good man is, being a teammate with your wife, the importance of weekly meetings and dates, and how to genuinely connect with your wife, and how to talk to your kids about sex. Guys, you're going to love this episode. Before we dive in there, if you've been getting anything from the Dad Work Podcast, make sure you leave a review. We got a little gentleman's agreement. I can't see whether you're going to do it, so I'm going to have to just rely on your word as a man that you're going to leave a review here. And if you do that, I'm just going to keep putting the podcast out for free, no strings attached. So I will keep working. If you leave a review, let's go. And finally, the last thing, if you want to become an elite man, husband, father in 10 days, 10 days, anyone can do anything for 10 days. Join the challenge, the Elite Dad Challenge by Dad Work. Go to the website, dad.work slash challenge and sign up today. It'll be in your inbox immediately. That's only if you want to become elite. Dad.work slash challenge. Anyway, all that being said, time for this episode of the Dad Work Podcast with Brian Pugh. Let's go. Welcome back for another episode of the Dad Work Podcast. And guys, I'm pumped up today because I actually saw Brian speak live. And this is like a local connection. This is what I've been praying for. So Brian, man, thank you so much for being on here. And uh, I just want to dive into like who you are and why you do what you do. Do you want to give us like just the 30,000 foot view of everything yeah. you guys are working on? Absolutely. Yeah. So in uh, 2018, uh, my wife and I started an organization called The Union. And I feel like I'm kind of like a band member wearing his own band t-shirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> in the video, at least like even maybe if you're not watching the video, um, I got uh, one of our union sweaters on. But um, we started The Union uh, really just with the sensing the call that there needed to be 
um, more of a focus within our day and within the church in helping people find wholeness in sexuality, identity, and relationships with a real gospel-centered and holistic approach. And so that's that's what we did, and that's what we've been doing as we've been growing. And um, really, really, our heart is just to help the individual church leader, uh, churches just be thriving in the beauty of God's design uh, for sexuality and identity. And um, and really just seeing any, you know, any design that he has as a good, a good thing, because sometimes we can get the command twisted that when God puts a boundary around something, it's to ruin our fun. And it's actually, uh, it's more so because God loves us and he knows us better than we know ourselves and he doesn't want us to be destroyed. And so that's just what we're committed to. We're committed to, to people encountering the reality of Jesus uh, as it pertains to sexuality and, and identity and relationships. So. That's so good. And the thing, like, if you guys are listening, you're like, okay, what does this have to do with parenting? Well, here's the thing. Yeah. I think that dads really need to understand what is going on out there uh, and sure. why it's so important and how we can build our children up in that. And I really liked um, what you said about the boundaries thing there, because I remember you were talking about, I can't remember what it was, but it's like, if you put something in the wrong context, if you yes. drop something in the middle of your your living room, what was that? Uh, analogy? Well, yeah, it's, it was actually an analogy I stole from a friend of mine who's kind of a mentor in our life. His name's Jim Anderson. Um, but he uses this analogy. It's like um, fire, if he's going to compare sexuality to fire, fire belongs in the fireplace. You know what I mean? And it's like um, our culture says, hey, do fire wherever you want. You know, start a fire, you know, here, there and everywhere. And it's like, well, if I showed up at your house and was like, hey, I was thinking, you know, it's pretty cold outside. We should start a fire. And you're like, yeah, that sounds great. It's like, yeah, I think I'm going to I'm going to start it right on the living room floor. <laughs> you're going to be like, dude, get the heck out of my house. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but when there's when it's when the fire started kind of within the the safety and the security and permanence and commitment that marriage is sexuality is is beautiful, you know, between one man, one woman. Um, before God, like it's a beautiful reality and it's, it's life-giving. So, yeah. And I feel like we're kind of like, we can be a voice of authority on parenting and sexuality because my wife and I, we have six boys been married for 15 years. And so when, as I said, I was recently on a trip to, to Kenya and just to rattle some of these young men that I was speaking to at a boys' school, I said, "Listen, we didn't get six kids through prayer and fasting. You know what I mean? (laughs) So just kind of blew them back a little bit, but you know, like we've had to, we have, we've had to navigate this and parenting, you know, is not, is not easy to begin with, but all, all the more so parenting in this time is, is not easy. So we're just excited to serve parents the best we can. And how old are your boys? Uh, well, the oldest are 14. We've got twin boys that are 14 and we have a 12 year old, 10 year old, eight year old and two year old who showed up right in the middle of COVID. So that was, that was oh, awesome. Man. Yeah, that was, that was the same. Our youngest was born uh, just like the month before the whole COVID thing went off. So oh, wow. that was a fun way yeah. to, to bring them in the world. And we've got another one oh, for sure. due in like four weeks. So we're Oh, come up. on, man. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. I love it. Yeah, love dude. It. So I want to sort of get into like, I think that like the word that's coming to me is like this identity piece. And this mm-hmm. is for sure a podcast that I'm going to get canceled on. And I'm super proud of that. Uh, but let's, yeah. let's go into that whole identity piece because this yeah. is where we see so much struggle. And I think as a parent, it's important to realize that like, I don't want to see my kid struggle with his identity. And yet it's being mm-hmm. like really pushed today where it's like, Oh dude, if you don't know who you are, then you can be anything. You can be whatever yeah. you want, and it, often it's so damaging what ends up happening in searching yeah. for that identity outside of who you're supposed to be. So can you mm-hmm. maybe just like set the stage for what you're seeing be the issues that the children of 
parents who we're talking to are coming up yeah. against. So maybe how to navigate some of that with conversations, what the kid's feeling, what the world's seeing. Do you want to just yeah. maybe kick us off? Oh, yeah. It's hard to just kind of see it as just one thing because I feel like there's so many different um, things over culture, over decades of kind of transformation within society. Um, it's hard to kind of nail it down to just be one thing. But I, I, I will say one thing that really stood out to Bonnie and I and and really started to shape some of the decisions that we made even in homeschooling our kids and just the type of uh, parents that we were going to be um, – I don't know, just trend we were seeing that young people were becoming more and more, uh, more and more like socially conditioned to care more about what their friends thought than their, their, yeah, that's the word I was looking for, peer orientated. They became peer orientated where they care more about the, the Facebook likes, the Instagram likes, what their friends think more than they, they care about the hierarchy um, orientation in the sense that they care less about what their guardians or their parents think about their life. They care less about what authorities think in their life and more about that, that kind of horizontal peer orientation. And that was just, that's just really damaging. You know what I mean? Like young people are not meant to live according to the approval of your friends. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, I think back about, you know, my high school experience and I go, the things that I thought were important you know what I mean? And obviously I didn't know the Lord and, and there's a lot of other things that play into that. But like, I was just so consumed with the approval of my friends. And then you get through high school and you realize none of that mattered. You know what I mean? Like, but like some of that identity comes from being um, in close proximity with healthy, um, healthy authority. And that's why God sets uh, children in families, one man, one woman, um, ideally I understand that, you know, there's a lot of things that play into broken families and everything, but, um, that's meant to be the thriving place where parents establish that safety, um, that identity, that value, um, you know, and, but we were just seeing that, you know, so much young people were just being lured away by social media or just by the movement of the, of the time to care more about what each other thinks of each other. And that's just the blind leading the blind. So. Yeah. And what kind of things are you guys seeing that that leads to, right? Because you get untethered from this yes. more mature generation who's got your best interests in mind, who can help you go on the path you need to go on. And yeah. you start looking sort of sideways. But like, what are we, what are you guys seeing that's actually the problem here? Because it would be one thing if you're like, ah, oh, well, whatever, you know, kids will be kids and they'll grow out of it. Yeah. But they're making some decisions that are like really life shattering. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I think. I, th I think the stats are very clear. It's like anxiety, confusion, um, apprehension, fear, like nobody's taking risks anymore. Like nobody's getting their driver's license. Nobody's, you know, doing things like that. And, and maybe some of those are like, you know, they want to have just a different trans. What am I trying to say here? They have a different viewpoint on like taking care of the environment. They want to use, you know, transport and, and everything like that, like city transport, municipal transport versus having their own vehicle. Sure. But it's just like, nobody really wants to grow up. You know what I mean? Nobody really like, we're kind of stuck in the, you know, the Neverland Peter Pan syndrome where he's just, you don't want to grow up. You just want to stay a lost boy. And, and I think specifically in young men, um, and I think, you know, in some of what I heard Jordan Peterson talk about on this as he kind of makes a correlation to this is like where there is that kind of refusal, refusal to grow up young men specifically suffer in a way that they they stay a lost boy and they keep pursuing uh, 
Tinkerbell, which is kind of like the uh, the pornographic fairy. You know what I mean? And I think about how many young men are just stuck in a fantasy land of pornography, video games, and um, and are just never really walking up to be men of integrity, men of impact, and leaders. And and I think that's that's just what I'm seeing. And I think I think the stats would show that. You know, like we've never been more porn saturated than than the time that we're living in right now so yeah and you know what like the the ultimate issue here is a soul issue but even if you Mm -hmm. listen to this and you're like you know you need to have some of the secular stuff brought up it's like you're just gonna be miserable you're gonna have a meaningless life devoid of purpose and you might say well oh i feel good in the moment and if i just have enough of these moments of dopamine or whatever then like i never have to think about that but at the end of the day man at the end of your life you're gonna look back and go oh no Like I've wasted all of it and I'm scared of that for, for kids, but there's also a lot of dads listening who probably experienced that pain themselves. And so this is almost like twofold, right? Like we got to defend our kids against this, but some of us need to go through the growing up as a father. Um, have you seen that be the case? You work with guys who are like older and dealing with this as well. Yeah, it's very true. Like I think I, I remember hearing a leader say that, you know, sometimes in maturity, you need to choose your pain. You know, the sense of choosing the pain of change or choosing the pain of regret. And um, and I'm thankful to see like that there are a lot of men who are, are waking up. And I, and I think some of it is connected to the sense of um, more culturally, it's becoming more culturally acceptable for men to admit that they have emotions. You know what I mean? And because like um, if, if you just try to live this life not having the self-awareness of your emotional patterns and and everything going on in your inner life then you you start making some pretty destructive decisions and some of it's even as simple as being a workaholic you know what i mean and and but that was you know a certain time that was like the earmark of authentic manhood is that you're working long hours to provide for your family and i'm like that's really great and noble but your your family needs you to be present at home too you know what i mean and so i am thankful to see that there are men who um who are willing to even at a later time or, uh, in their life and maybe not, you know, maybe not as early as they would have liked, but they are responding to that call and just being like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta be the man that maybe I wasn't, I didn't have in my life. Um, I've got to be more for my kids than what I experienced. And I think that's, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And we're seeing that too, inside of our brotherhood is we do a lot of work on like emotional mastery and just mm-hmm. realizing that like, Hey, actually these are data points and they're normal yeah. Even things yeah. like anger are, you know, normal to experience and how you react to them is actually the more important thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. there's a lot of that. And I had to go through that personally before I could bring it to my kids. And that's why I suffered as a father for so yeah. long. Like, I just right. didn't know. And so I'd scream at mm-hmm. them. They scream back. And I'm like, why are you screaming? It's like, oh, right. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm teaching them all the wrong things. Um, yeah. Do we want to go into then like how to actually build our children up as fathers? Because like I said to you before yeah. I started recording... I think as dads, one of our main goals and main uh, abilities is instilling a very self uh, or internally referenced, I should say, not self, uh, internally referenced identity rather than, like you were saying before, looking everywhere outside of you for that external validation. Uh, is that something you guys have given thought to as parents? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we had a, I came across a guy, he's a pastor from New York named John Tyson. And he's written a book called The Intentional Father. And within that, it's kind of, I'm trying to forget, I'm trying to remember the name of his curriculum that he did. Um, 
it's totally escaping me. It's probably going to come back. Like once this interview is over, it's going to come back to me. That's but, right. We'll um, put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll make sure I get it to you. But he wrote a book called The Intentional Father. And it's a f- book around being a dad that I had never really experienced. And I think he would even say too, like in his search as, you know, being a dad, he couldn't really find anything that was like this. And the, and not just speaking to like the hypothetical, like theory of fatherhood and the things you should be doing, but a clear uh, action plan, like strategy to raise up specifically young men who, you know, are raised up to be strong leaders. And, um, and I just happened to come across that. And that just really impacted me deeply. Number one, to start to deal with my own, my own shortcomings and failures, you know what I mean? And, um, but also be purposeful and strategic in developing a plan to get my boys from, you know, childhood to adulthood, to from from being a young boy to being a man, um, with the most tools in their tool belt as possible. You know, to be to be set up, and um, and so, so I would honestly recommend that resource is so great because um, it just really helps you to to create that strategy. Um, you know, I man, honestly, I just I cannot stress it enough that like men need to overcome their the shame of their past because I feel like shame silences so many men. Um, and I, and I think like, you know, a lot of guys are good at, you know, talking to sitting around and talking about cars and sitting around talking about fishing or hunting or whatever. But like, we've got to talk about the stuff that really matters. You know what I mean? Like who, who's looking into your life and who have you given like freedom to speak into your life and say, Hey, like, we, we, you need to find freedom here and I, I don't want to help walk with you. Like, like those are the types of conversations we need, we need to be having as men, because if we're experiencing that in our own personal lives, that's going to overflow into how we parent. I've never, I've never found myself being strong as a dad when I've been operating in shame in my own life or just disappointment. If I'm not taking that to the Lord, taking that um, you know, to a faithful, trustworthy community and just being honest about what's going on in my life. I, I don't parent well, you know what I mean? And, and I'm not really the type of man that I want my kids to be. So I would just encourage, um, encourage men to, to take those steps, to have some honest communication, honest conversation with people who, who love them and who are committed to them about what's really going on in their heart and not living in isolation. Um, because, because that only that only leads to a furthering of the 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 destructive behaviors we're seeing in society today. Yeah, and that was such a huge part of my own journey. Is once I got into a men's group, once I actually started talking to men, it yeah. like it lifted a veil in a sense, and also For helped sure. me uh, stay accountable to who I said I was mm-hmm. going to be because they were going to call me out. And it's so yeah. easy to be a lone wolf and hide. And it's actually, you know, people are always like, oh, no, I'm a lone wolf. I'm self-made. It's like, yeah, but you're actually hiding. Um, and, yeah. you know, nobody got there alone successfully. But that shame piece, man, like that's huge. I had a ton of that. Yeah. Do you want to touch a little bit more on that? Like how how are yeah. you getting over this shame and, and clearing that out? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of different psychologists that have different definitions of what shame is. You know, shame is that the, there's something wrong with you and guilt is something that you've done something wrong. And, and I would say that there's, there's an aspect of that, but like, this is the, the good news, at least of the gospel is that Jesus steps into the human experience and is able to separate our history from our heart. 
And, and I would say that shame is what our past, um, is where our past is continuing to reach into our future because of decisions that we've made or because of things that we did or things that people did to us that we haven't, we haven't really let go of. We haven't really surrendered because I think in the biblical narrative, like we see in Genesis that when Adam and Eve ate from the tree, which was a clear commandment that God said, Hey, don't eat from that. They hid themselves. You know, right? So, like, when there's a transgression, when there's something that's out of order, when there's a crossing of a boundary, when there's something that that's happened, um, that shame causes that isolation. But the good news is God came looking for Adam and Eve. And so that's good news to to men out there if you're dealing with shame, dealing with regret, dealing with self-hatred even because of the decisions that you've made in the past. God's looking for you. God's coming to find you. And he... It's it's so interesting. He takes the um, he takes the coverings that Adam and Eve had made for themselves and says, mm, "I'm going to make you something even better." And so God God's desire is to bring people into a place of confession, bringing you know what was done in the dark, what was done in the secret, into the light and diffusing its power over someone's life, and then putting on them like because the covering that God would have made them. He made from an animal, um, which I think is foreshadowing of Jesus who comes and takes on the sins of the world. And then we get to wear that robe of righteousness through faith in him, right? So um, so I, I would see there's a clear process in that. God comes looking for them and he asks them questions. He asks Adam, where were you? Like, where, where are you? He's coming to look and he asks a position question to a man. And then ask this question to Eve. He says, what is this that you've done? So this even highlights the difference between men and women, that there is a positional aspect that God has towards men. There's leadership. There's uh, covering and protection that God has instilled within men. That's that's like an intricate part of who we are. And then there's a, the relational question that he asks to women. And this is, this is a, an important part for authentic manhood is like you need to understand, you know, guys who are married or young men, you're going to be married one day, you know, women are different. <laughs> Despite what our society might say, women are different. And there's a relational aspect towards a woman's heart that's not so much based on just the positional aspect. He asked the relational question, trying to draw that out um, from Eve. But anyway, I say that the, the whole process of walking out with shame is answering that question. Where were you? What happened? What did you do? And what was done to you? And then you release that to God. And what God's able to do is he separates the things that we've done from the things that were done to us, right? Because those are two different things. And sometimes that shame ball that we we call it kind of gets all muddled up that we don't even know um, the difference between what was done to us and then what we did. And um, and I think that's really important for for guys to hear as we're seeing the stats, at least as men maybe becoming more honest about what's going on, but the stats are showing more and more that men have experienced uh, sexual abuse and sexual trauma growing up. And that, that can reach into your future, reach into your marriage, reach into a lot of things about your life. And sometimes it shows up in real quote unquote noble ways because guys are hiding in their work. They're hiding in their, you know, a lot of things that, that the world would give them accolades for, but they're just not healed, you know? Mm, man. Yeah, that's really good. And I think like there's a shame piece as well that for me, like we we tell the guys that whatever happened to you, it's, it's probably not your fault. And 
you are now fully responsible for dealing with that or owning that or moving mm, on from mm-hmm. it. And there's that yeah. separation between the things that happen to you and your response to them. And I think that's yes. been very important for me too, because I have looked in my past and I've been like, I just want these people to say they're sorry. And it's like, well, some of them are dead. <laughs> you know, they're never going to say yeah. that to me and I got to move on anyway. So I have to take the responsibility right. to this. Um, but I yeah. think there's probably an element of like forgiveness in this too, because totally. for me, It's like, oh, I deserve to be punished for how I've acted. And I used to go into shame spirals, even as a father. I was like, Mm. look, I was so bad for them. I'll never forgive myself. But that takes me further and further away from them. And so I think, especially as you're saying here, like there's this element of forgiveness from the Lord that you can Mm. also use to just like let go of all of that, knowing that like no matter what you do, like you couldn't possibly do something yeah. that removes that from you if you confess and put your yeah. faith in that. And that, like, dude, that really encourages me. I'm a brand mm-hmm. new Christian as well. So, like, this forgiveness, I go, yeah, but what about that? And he's like, yeah, and I got you. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. And that just, yeah. like, man, it's given me so much space to operate outside of that shame and start doing yeah. my own thing. Absolutely. And something that really impacted me when, when I heard it, too, is, like, because I, I would kind of relate, like, so I'm pretty hard on myself. It can be pretty results orientated like I, I grew up playing competitive sports and it's just like you know I had a rugby coach who said negative reinforcement for positive change so you can kind of tell what kind of coach he was you know what I mean and it's just like we're gonna highlight everywhere you failed in order to make sure you never do that again and so some of that you know some of that is my nature to a certain extent but some of that's just been cultivated over the years but you know, we, we tend to say like, oh, I know, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. I go like, I just hold on a second. Hold on a second. You're telling me that the creator of the universe, holy and perfect in every which way, you know, who has a higher standard uh, than you even think you have is able to forgive you and has made a way to forgive you, but you can't forgive yourself. I go, let's, let's maybe step down a little bit. Let's humble ourselves a little bit because I I think you're thinking too highly of your own internal standard and you can't like, none of us can live vibrant, flourishing lives, having standards for our life that God doesn't have, you know what I mean? And carrying a burden that God doesn't call us to carry, you know, and this, this is the good news of the gospel, you know? So. Yeah, dude, I, I was having that conversation even with my son yesterday because he was feeling bad about himself And the same sort of thing. I'm like, actually, that's a prideful, selfish heart, man. Like, Mm -hmm. if you think that you have a different standard than God and you need to be punished, you need to feel bad. It's like, I don't know, man, like there's a heart issue there that we got to work on. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Are there things like in terms of parenting, I want to go into like, you've got six boys. That's, that's a lot. Um, How do you think about parenting them as like a general guideline and, or I'm just thinking about like affirming them too. Cause I've mm. noticed that like you, what you just said about the rugby coach, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm prone to doing that as you probably are right. too. Like I'm really prone to like, I'll pick out all yeah. the things that are wrong because I do that for myself and I'm pretty good about oh, you know, yeah. changing them. And I have noticed like my kids thrive on positive affirmation and I've got to oh, really yeah. remind myself to do that. For sure. So are there any other things like that that you want to talk about just raising six oh, boys? Yeah. Well, I think the, the Oreo approach to, correction is so important you know what i mean you have that affirmation you have the the correction which is like the filling of the oreo and then you have the affirmation again and even like we found it in like disciplining our kids like when there was rebellion not just childishness like 
it's so much time would be talking them through like what happened. And, and again, we're probably going to get canceled because I'm going to say I, I spanked our, our kids. But like, <laughs> How dare you? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, buddy. But, um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So like we would, when we would discipline our kids, like we would talk through, you know, and then there would be the, the discipline part and then maybe they would cry. And, but there would be so much affirmation, so much like, Hey, dad doesn't hate you. God, you know, dad loves you. And I know who you're going to be coming. I, I'm actually, my goal is that you would grow and be grow beyond this. Like, I don't want you to be uh, sentenced to this type of behavior because if, you know, we would often say to our kids like, Hey, if I don't spank you, the police is, the police are going to, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's, again, that's not popular, but we've already started on that road. So, um, but like, I think that's, that's really important. The affirmation and the correction, right? Because I think there's maybe been this school of thought in past generations. It's like, I'm going to catch you doing wrong. Right. And, and I think we need to be aware of, of things that like, as dads, we need to be aware of the things that, yes, maybe our kids are going astray, they're doing something wrong, or or they just need to be shaped and, and uh, motivated in another direction. But at the same time, we need to be catching them doing right and affirming that because – um, if you, if you don't do that, then you just become that resounding noisy gong that like, nobody's going to enjoy listening to you. Yep. I'm never enough, dad. I'm never good enough. I never get it right. Sure. Heard that before. I'm just going to live my life. I don't care what you have to say, you know? And, and so we need, and eventually that, like that tends to happen as they grow up and maybe move out of the home and they find this whole world of freedom um but and it just becomes very reactionary in the types of decisions that they made they're making decisions to rebel against everything that they've had over the years prior um so i, I would again just like kids need to have that affirmation that attention um oh what was the other a there's an affirmation attention and affection you know what i mean so you're giving your time you're giving your words you're giving your you're giving your focus you know and, um, and I think that's just so, so important. I would say like, even when it comes to, uh, really helping young men live honorably when it comes to sexuality is if you give a prohibition, but you don't give the reason why, you know what I mean? If you don't really lay that out, then that leads to obligation. You know what I mean? So like I, a friend of mine says it this way, if, if worth where there's no revelation, um, or excuse me, when, prohibition without revelation leads to obligation but if you can show the motivation behind the command behind the instruction or even the boundary that's put about around it then you realize oh well actually this isn't you know to keep something from me this is to keep something for me so when we're telling young people all the time like hey you know, flee youthful lusts and don't think about sex. Don't think about sex. It's just like, well, okay, fine. I won't think about sex, but like, let's even, you know, the listeners, if we were to say, Hey, stop thinking about purple monkeys on the count of three, you know, like you're going to start seeing them all over the place. You know, like you're driving as you're listening to this, you're seeing them swinging from the lampposts, right? Like it's really easy to when there isn't an understanding as to the motivation behind the command, it's really easy just to not see the point, but something I really try to encourage our boys in is like without vision, people cast off restraint. So like when you, when you're looking to the type of the future man that you're going to be the future dad, the future husband, maybe if, you know, like if, if God has that for you down the road, like who are you going to be? And can you continue to make decisions in these early years of your life 
that are not in line with that person and expect to get there. The reality is, is no, you know, but if you have a vision for your life, then that that's going to cause you not just to say yes to some things. That's going to cause you to say no to a bunch of other things because you know who, who you're really called to be. You have that vision and that goal of what type of man you want to be in the future. Um, and I think that's, that's what really this, the young generation needs the most is, is that installation of vision and purpose. Um, because everything in our society is trying to rob that from them that even being human, there's nothing special about it. You know, even human existence, there's nothing, there's nothing to it. And, um, and I think that's showing up in the fruit, fruit of our society in a lot of brokenness in young people. So instilling vision and purpose, um, specifically as, as a dad of young boys, I think that's so important right now. Yeah. I really like that, man. Like I've, um, part of homeschooling cause we just started that this year as well. I had like a goal setting, um, lesson for them over, um, mm. like just before the new year. Cause that's what I was doing cool. in my life. And so number one, model it if you want them to follow it. Um, yes. but number two, like bring this to them. And so we talk a lot about what we are doing as parents, which is to say, I'm trying to raise you up to be a good man. And what does a good man look like? And that takes a longer term vision, like you're saying, so that they Mm -hmm. know, okay, I'm on this path. And it's not just like, well, like for me, my father, love him, amazing, funny, all the rest, but not a leader, I would say. No, like no plan, no vision. I wasn't sure where I was supposed to go. And I was just let to do everything. And at the time I was like, oh, I love this freedom. I can do anything. They trust me. But I look back and go, man, I didn't have any plan. I didn't know where I was going. And I made bad decisions because of that. And so I'm trying to give them what you just said, which is this long-term vision. You are called for some reason. God's put you here for a reason. Let's find out what that is. But you have to be a good man of integrity along the way to get there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think think that's so important, the modeling aspect. Because my wife and I were talking about this. She came across this interesting study um, that I think it's the Osprey, which is that... Um, kind of like the, it's uh, what type of bird is it? Anyways, it's like a predatory kind of bird, like similar to like an eagle. It's like a uh, more, but hangs around more water based stuff. But anyways, that's I'm not a, as you can tell, I'm not a bird expert. <laughs> Major fail. Anyways, so the osprey, and when it's teaching its its babies to fly or its you know adolescent birds to fly, it doesn't just push them out of the nest. It actually demonstrates to them what flying is actually like, like it'll do these crazy sloops in front of the nest and all this stuff. And it's like, wow, that's so, so interesting that it's trying to build this inspiration for maturity, this inspiration for, uh, for the freedom that that maturity is meant to bring to you. You know what I mean? And that's meant to inspire, um, you know, growing up and stepping out of the nest. And so it's like some birds just kind of push their, their chicks out of the, out of the nest. It's like, well, we've done that for quite some time, but like, you know, how about we try inspiring, you know, the purpose and meaning and the beauty of, of living mature, you know? Yeah, totally. So good, man. And I'm trying to like, part of this whole dad work thing is like, I want to inspire dads that this can be awesome. Like, do you yeah. realize that parenting and marriage can be literally the best part of your life? And like you yeah. said, we've almost all of us in this day and age have been pushed out and it's like, oh, good luck. Yeah. The old ball and chain, like you really want more kids? Yeah. Four kids? Are you serious? It's like, no, this is awesome. And I think like most dads I talk to have never even heard that. 
And so I'm trying to like inspire through my own life. Like actually my marriage is literally the best part of my life. And it's so good to be a dad. It's so rewarding and so much fun that I think we need to do a better job of not letting the world scoff at us. And we, and like, look, I'm not going to be judging or condemning, but in this analogy, I'm like, I kind of want to be the one to scoff at the world. Be like, wait, you, you don't think marriage is amazing. Right. You don't like being a dad. Like right. what's wrong with you, man? Not what's wrong yeah. with me. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, I think like the, the modeling is both good for our children and society at large to give guys hope that this is actually yeah. the best. Um, and, and I think like a little bit of that as well goes into family leadership. And I think mm-hmm. like I've been reading a lot lately. I've been really thinking about what this looks like to be a family leader or family shepherd as, um, sure. Bakken would call it. I just read that book. Yeah. Um, how do you see your role here? Because like you're talking to your kids about this, you seem to have a great marriage and I want to touch on that in a second. Um, but mm-hmm. family leadership, what comes to mind intentionally as you're leading your family? Yeah. Well, I think you need to be leading yourself first, you know, like that's, that's a big deal. And, and our, are you letting, are you letting God lead you? Or like, are you faithfully following after him? Like that's, those are important questions to, to answer and to reflect on. Like, are you, are you making decisions for yourself to be the best person that God's called you to be? Are you, are you doing that? Are you dealing with your own stuff? Are you, um, are you living transparently and vulnerably, uh, with those who you trust in your life? Um, that's a great question. And then like, I think a lot of the leadership that I have in with my boys is directly connected to my marriage. Like I know we're going to probably get there, but like I can't be a good dad and a bad husband. You know what I mean? And and second and second of all, like I can't be, you know, a good a good husband and a bad dad. It's like good luck doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um but like like that's just really important. The type of and again, I don't have any daughters. Like I just have I just have boys. So um I'm modeling to them the type of like authentic manhood that that Jesus calls us to in the type of man that lays down his life for his wife, you know, as Jesus did the church, um, you know, giving himself up for her. So like sacrificially serving. And I will be the first to tell you, dude, I'd fail in this sometimes. I drop the ball. Like life life in this at least in this last season has been really great in a lot of the important areas of our life, but it's been really challenging in some other areas and it just, it puts stress on you. And I, I failed in, in some ways. And, but I've also demonstrated to, to my boys authentic manhood. That's able to go and, and make right what you've made wrong and humble yourself and say, Hey, I was wrong here. The way dad responded, like the, even the way that dad spoke to, to mom, I, I shouldn't have done that. I, I snapped back. That was not okay. And that's not the type of man I'm going to be. It's not the type of man I want to be. And that's not who, you know, again, speaking to my boys, that's not the type of woman uh, that your mom is, is, and that that's not the type of treatment that she's worthy to have. Um, so it's like, even in, even in our failures, if we're living effectively as husbands, like that, that leads our kids. Well, they're seeing it by example. Yeah, exactly. And you know what, why don't we, um, I, I want to get into eventually like how you're, relating to your kids in terms of the conversation of sexuality, um, mm-hmm. in the world versus homeschooling versus like how, what age. So I want to get there, 
But as you're talking about marriage, what I noticed when you were speaking at Riverside is I was like, I kept hearing this woman and she was like really pumped up. She was giving you a ton of praise. I was like, man, this woman's like really excited about this message. She's like, oh, it's his wife. Yeah. And she was so <laughs> supportive, dude. And so like yeah. that, that warm, my wife and I talked about it afterwards. Like that was his oh, wife. Wow. She loves what he's doing. She's so supportive. She so has his back. And I don't think you yeah. can fake that, man. Like it was really legit. And I wonder no. if you just want to talk about like how you have actually developed this marriage and um, just been like a husband to a wife who supports you like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's a great question. First of all, I appreciate, you know, what you just said there. And, and my wife, I don't mean to brag, but like I just got to speak the truth. She is pretty amazing. I'm very thankful for her. Um, and of course we are charismatics to a certain extent. We're like biblical charismatics. So it's like, we're shouting each other down when <laughs> before it's preaching. So anyways, um, but, uh, you know, I think number one, like we we see each other as teammates, you know what I mean? That we're not, we're not trying to just be two people navigating family. Like we are in life and direction and children and everything. We're not kind of just like adults that just share the same house and we have, we've had kids like we are teammates in this. And so, um, and I think like we have very similar passions and I think God is, and I think that's maybe even important for maybe some young guys, if they're listening to, who are maybe even in that stage of kind of discerning relationships and stuff. And, and like, I I'd really encourage them to like be looking for that person who would compliment you well and who you would compliment well, like, um, and not necessarily like, oh, the better half or whatever, or like, cause that's not really how math works. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like the math of relationships don't work like that. Like one broken person and another broken person does not make a whole, like you want to find somebody like you want to be a whole person. You want to be quote unquote, Mr. Right. And be looking for Mrs. Right. That teammate that God has for you. Who's running the same direction, who you guys can link arms and support each other. Um, I, and I think too, like, in in our marriage, we've committed that we would use our strengths to cover each other's weaknesses, not use our strengths to expose each other's weaknesses. And, and unfortunately, um, that can just be so detrimental to a relationship um, when people um, don't see that covenant language that when we committed to each other in covenant marriage, we are saying your strengths um, can cover my weaknesses and I'm going to let my strengths cover yours so that... Um, so that we we can both walk victoriously into the calling that God has for us. So, um, yeah. So I, I think that that just plays into it so much. And again, like love, loving relationship is always a choice. You have to make a choice. If you're just going to base that type of type of lifestyle is just going to be based off of a like a feeling. I was like, I will do that when I feel it. It's like good luck. You know, like that'll maybe be like a few, (laughs) a few minutes a day. You'll probably feel that way. You have to choose love. You have to. And, um, I'm thankful that Bonnie has continually chosen love and I've, I've done my absolute best to choose love for her and support her and, and be the type of man that, that God, um, calls me to be, you know? And so I think that just plays into the support that we have for each other. Cause I think we, we do need to be within the work that we're doing, we need to be each other's fans, you know what I mean? And encourage each other because it's very easy to get discouraged. Um, but I think that's just also what we've chosen to be, whether we were doing something else or doing this. So, 
Man. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that a lot, and I've heard it say, um, you know, love is a verb. It's an action word because mm. you have to continue yeah. to make that choice. Um, are there sure. things that you guys do to regularly check in with each other? Because, like, that's a lot you guys got going on. Yeah, you know, we – obviously, it's highly contested, but the weekly date night is just so important. And I would even say, like, if you can – in some of the like the premarital counseling stuff that, that I've done with people, I've encouraged them to, to have like a weekly meeting that's maybe not so much just kind of like relationally based and like fun based as the, the date night is supposed to be. Um, but just like, here's just more of like a weekly business meeting. Here's, here's how, here's how the kids are doing. Here's how I'm doing. Um, you know, this is coming up next month. This is the family stuff. And like, you're just going through, just things, just kind of being on the same page when it comes to some of the practical things. And within that, you're going to hear hard things. Like I, there's times, um, it's, it's very interesting how the, a woman's heart is so uniquely connected to so many different things. And, you know, she's feeling overwhelmed about the kids and feeling overwhelmed about finances and this and that and everything. And you get to her heart by just listening and hearing what's on her mind. And so I think, um, I think having a weekly business meeting has been really helpful. Um, but again, like there's a lot going on and so it's highly contested. And so we try to get it on the calendars as early as we can. So, dude, I, I just want to, all the guys in our brotherhood, please listen to this and know that it's not just me telling you, Oh, I maybe should do this. It's like, no dude, other guys do this too. And it works. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. we, we've been doing this for the last little while and we've got yeah. uh, a family meeting. So we just had ours um, yesterday. We do everyone together and you know, it's harder with oh, the cool. three-year-old, but we have uh, one of these meetings with all of us and got a really good share from my oldest last night about how he was feeling about his upcoming birthday party. And it's like, okay, we had some work oh, to do wow. there, which is awesome. But the day before yeah. was date night, which we got on the calendar and we just yeah, had yeah. a check-in and, and we actually went through my self audit system, which is like 10 or 12 areas of life give yourself a rating and then why? Mm. And then what do you want to do about that? So it's like we had conversations about like finances and where we yeah. live and how we're parenting and how we're married together, like how our marriage is going. Mm. And it was so good. And we do this, um, we try to do it weekly. And like you said, sometimes you just can't make it work because, you know, 30 things are going yeah. on. But like 90% of the time we do this because we yeah. just never get farther away than, you know, a couple inches in, in terms of like being together and being connected. Yeah. And what I found yeah. as well is that when you're constantly communicating like that, there's no room for bitterness and resentment to build because you're always just saying, no. hey, this thing, I want to deal yeah. with this. Um, yeah. And so that's really helped me. Do you guys have any insights on like resentment or bitterness? You ever experienced that? Oh, well, I think it by nature grows where there's distance. You know what I mean? Like when you're not creating an atmosphere of accountability, like it's really great just to, you know, you want to go out, go see a movie, go to dinner or whatever and not talk about what's really going on. And then you kind of throw your hands up like, well, I've done, I took you to the movies. I did this and we went on this trip and yeah, but you never, you never actually in like opened yourself up to honest feedback. You know what I mean? You just went and did like the nice quote unquote romantic things, but like you're never actually dealt with like taking, letting your wall down, letting her speak to things that are going on that maybe you're doing without even realizing that are just eroding uh, the trust that she has. And like, cause here's a crazy thing. We don't know where each other's trust account is at. Like if you're con compare it like trust to like uh, money, it's like, you don't know where your trust account is with sometimes, sometimes with people, unless you're having those purposeful conversations. And then it's like some marriages get to a point where there's just complete bankruptcy 
And they're just like, they don't know why. It's because you've never, like men have never set an atmosphere to be like, hey, we're going to have honest communication and accountability. I want to know, am I serving you in a way that lets you know that you're being served, you know, and loved and cared for? Or am I just brushing it off and just trying to make up for it with trips to this place, that place, you know, buying expensive things? Um, No, man. Like I think when you're not having those honest, real communication and honest dialogue and feedback and humbling yourself and putting together like, okay, I heard what you said. Is this what you're saying? I heard you say this. Well, okay. If that's what you said, I'm going to be doing this, this, and this to make sure that we're heading in the right direction. So you don't, so you know that I heard you and that I'm taking it to heart and that we're going to make changes and I'm going to, I'm going to be a different husband. I'm going to be a different dad. Um, And I can tell you when you're not having those conversations, we've had seasons of our life where it's been really busy and, and it, it shows up even just within a month of just like, Oh, this doesn't seem right. Like, Oh, like we're just not on the same page. And it's like, I can't imagine what it's like, you know, living that way for, you know, more, more than like three months I go like, I would absolutely lose it. Yeah. So I, I just can't encourage guys more like let the wall down, be willing to hear some hard things and take it to heart and, and, and say, all right, well, I'm willing to make a change, you know, and, and serve your, serve your wife. Yes, man. The service part so big. And I tell my guys trust is the, uh, currency of intimacy. And right. like you said, man, like you've got to build that trust by doing the right thing, doing the thing you were going to say that you said you were going to do. And like you said, help her feel emotionally and spiritually safe. Yeah. A lot of yeah. us are just like, oh, like you said, I do all this stuff. I provide. It's like I protect and provide. It's like, yeah, good for you, bro. That's the cost of entry to being a husband. Yeah. <laughs> now what? It's so good. And it's like, yeah. okay, so yeah, the, the emotional side where, where she can feel connected, you can't just yeah. poo-poo that and go like, oh, I wish she wasn't so emotional. It's like, no, dude, that's your call to become more emotional and to breathe that into her yeah. so that she can feel safe to build that trust, to build the intimacy all things fall yeah. together. Well, and I think like I touched on earlier, like women are primarily relational. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? And that means like, um, and it's not even that men aren't, aren't relational or that they aren't even emotional. Like, but this is the main currency of, of a woman's heart is relationship. And that's rooted in safety, security, permanence, and commitment. You know what I mean? Are you, are you showing that you're committed to her? Because, um, are you, are you showing that you're committed to care for her? Because in your lack of communication, your, um, I don't know, there's a long list of things that can be eroding that sense of commitment and care and nurturing. And so you've, you've got to be creating a pathway of communication for those things. Yeah, man. hundred percent communication, emotional mastery. These are like two of the game changers that when you get them as a husband yeah. and they lead into being a good father too. So, I mean, this Absolutely. is just being a good human <laughs> as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to yeah. make sure before we run out of time to talk about how to talk about sex with kids. Um, this is something yeah. that like, I've heard a million things very interested with what you guys are doing and how you navigate this in terms of like what you talk about. Is it a conversation? Is it a single talk? Is it like age based? Can you maybe run down a general how to Mm -hmm. for us? Yeah, I'll do the best I can. Like, I think, you know, some of this has just been trial and error over the years. And, but I think where we've settled in and this shows up in how we, we minister on the topic too, with churches and, and people is like, sexuality is not gross sexuality, but sexuality also is not God. It is a gift, right? And so how we steward this gift is really, really important. 
because I think when parents are maybe dealing with shame in this area, they're not really convinced that this, that sexuality is beautiful or they have areas of pain. It shows up in how they talk about it. If they even talk about it to their kids, you know what I mean? So, um, I would only encourage parents to be like, can you honestly say that with confidence that sexuality is beautiful? And, and that's a good starting point. So if that means opening up about some areas maybe of of abuse or just shame from your past, I I would encourage you to do that. But that, that then we, that's always the tone that we communicate it to our boys is that, um, even as some of the, the older ones, you know, there's avenues of hormones and stuff that have started to rush into their world, you know, like I say like, Hey, like you need to know that, that God doesn't hate you because you have a sex drive right? God doesn't hate you because you have a sex drive. If you did not have a sex drive, you could not fulfill the command to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Like if like, this, this is, this is the reality is like part of growing up in maturity is learning to steward that sex drive and protect and honor that sex drive and, and hold it for the fireplace. Like we were referring to before when that time that God unites, unites you with that, that teammate to run into your destiny with, within marriage. And, um, so, but like when we've been talking to our kids, like the younger, the younger kids specifically, we do not, you don't even have to talk about the biology or like the physicality of, of sex to talk about sex when you can talk about identity, how, and blessing who they are as, you know, we've, so God's made you a boy for a reason. God's made you a girl for a reason. Blessing that that part, and and even identifying that that with each with each identity is either a man or a woman. There are weights that come with that, and sometimes it's challenging. But encouraging them that these aspects that are very difficult um, and sometimes feel weighty are actually you know could be the wings on the bird that like because this is. Sorry, I kind of use an analogy that I need to clarify now. So, like, um, Elizabeth Elliot used this uh, language, like, um, kind of referring to that the same aspect of an elephant or an animal. Let's, let's use the term elephant or the animal elephant. So, the trunk of an elephant could be viewed viewed as some some weight, weighty hindrance in the in the life of an of, of an elephant, but it's actually what makes part of what makes the elephant who it is. It's what he uses to scoop up water, to drink like this. You could look at it and be like, oh, that's such a huge hindrance. It's kind of obnoxious. You know what I mean? But it's like, but this is, this is something that's meant to be beautiful within the design. And just like a bird, the bird could say, hey, my wings are just heavy and they just hang around. But it's like the, the wings are used for you to fly and experience the freedom of your your design. So like you have to be able to acknowledge those, those aspects of the difficulties within being a man, the difficulties within being a woman, but know that some of those distinctives God wants to use to be liberating and free in your, uh, in your life. Um, and like, you don't even have to talk about the actual biology of, of sexual experience in order to do that. You're just blessing who they are as men, who they are as, as young men, who they are as young women. And, um, really again just touching again like talking about the future the vision that god has for them and the and and that within that that's going to call um that's going to call them to honor it's going to call them to self-restraint and self-government um as they grow up man that's really good i really like the identity piece in that and the affirmation that comes from that um is there a point that you found that it's like hey we got to go into more of the nitty-gritty as they get older and then 
like get yeah. them to understand that while also being like temperance is pretty important here, even though it's like good yeah. and you want this and you're probably feeling like this. Totally. Here's what it looks like, but also it's important to like, wait. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Cause like, I, th- I think we've always talked about this in the, in the context of like over the years, like, Oh, we're going to have the talk with them. You know what I mean? And it's like, that can be a little much. Cause as I heard somebody say, like, um, you know, if you only dealt with sexuality one time in your life, then one conversation would, would suffice. But like, we deal with this on a daily basis, like just living this life, especially now, um, as we're dealing with a very sex saturated culture, young, young people are subjected to things all the time. And so you need to be having conversation all the time on this in very, in very, um, not intimidating ways, you know, just kind of very everyday kind of approach to it. But, um, the reason I, I say that is like, you need to know your kids. Like if you're walking with your kids, you're going to kind of see some things that like, I think they're ready to maybe hear this. And this is where I, I kind of lean on my wife a little bit more as she, you know, she's doing the homeschooling with them through the day. She kind of starts to see um, what's going on in them in a, probably a closer way than I would as she spends more time with them through the day um, and starts to go like, actually, I think he seems to be kind of curious about this. You know, Brian, you, you might want to try to have a conversation with them. And, but we also, um, we also, even within that, we try to schedule like weekly times that each of us are with the boys and having one-on-one time so that they're that that pathway of communication, either with myself or Bonnie is always being there. And that's, it's usually within that just everyday kind of conversation, making yourself available that a lot of these questions start to come up. Um, because if you sit them down and be like, Hey, we're going to talk about sex now, you're probably not going to get very far, but if you're just going to go and get a milkshake and just talk about things that are going on, you'll probably find that out of the consistency of doing that, a lot of questions start to come up and then that kind of, they kind of answer the question for themselves. Like, are they ready, ready to hear this? But at the same time, you're marrying an awareness of like, I got to get ahead of the world on some of these topics. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, I don't want my kids finding out about sex through Pornhub or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not the way to find out. So <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh that's one of the things that I talked to. Um, I had Will Noland on, he was removed from his position in Eaton, one of the boys schools in the UK for defending right. masculinity. And he said the same sort of thing, which is like, well, I wish I didn't have to do this. And if I don't now, somebody else will, yeah. who will have a much worse, uh, wish for, sure. for my children. And so I, I really like that last little bit in terms of just like knowing them and walking with them, because that's going to be the case for everything. It doesn't need to make yeah. this such a big different issue. It's just like one of the yeah. things that you're always communicating about. And I think that's totally, you know, that's my goal as dad to just be there and yeah. have them trust that I'm there too. So, um, yeah. anyway, man, I want to be respectful of your time. I think we probably both have things to do at the top of the hour. I know I've got a call. Yeah. Um, and I was talking, I think to your wife booking this and it's like, man, you've got a lot of stuff going on too. So let me get yeah, all your details in terms of like where people can find you, what people might get, uh, for following and working with you and just make sure we get people connected. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. So we're on Instagram and Facebook at The Union Movement, and uh, our webpage is theunionmovement.com. 
and on there we just we really have a vision just to make uh, a lot of biblically centered um, resources on sexuality, identity, and relationships available uh, for free. So we crowdfund um, uh, a lot of our e-courses just to be able to give away to people. And recently we launched a an e-course called Awkward, and it's all about helping parents talk to their kids about sexuality. Um, and so it's a six, a six part series and there's reflection questions and it's just, um, it's not tons of time. Like each session is like maybe 12, 15 minutes long. Um, but it, it's going to be really helpful to kind of get a 30,000 foot perspective on sexuality, um, but then also bring it down into the everyday kind of conversations. Um, because like, like we were just saying, um, a lot of times, like we say, Oh, well, I don't have a quantity of time with my kids, but I have quality time. It's like, well, you can only have quality time with our kids through quantity of time and continual um, pursuit in those things. So uh, that's where that e-course really helps bring it down into like the everyday kind of conversation part. But uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at. And we have our union podcast as well, as well, which is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Play Music. If that's where you like to listen to your podcasts, that's where we're at. So. Sweet. Man, well, that's awesome. I'm going to put all that in the show notes at dad.work slash, uh, man, where is it? Dad.work slash podcast. Uh, if you guys want awesome. to get all those links, I'm going to put everything in there as well as all the resources mentioned. Dad.work slash podcast. Brian, man, this has been really awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Oh, brother, it's, it's, I, I love and I'm honored to be here. It was such a great time. So I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the Dad Work Podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there? Because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper, provide some tips. You can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, your life, would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify? Leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here to listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.